Well, congrats to our graduates. We are so excited for them and their accomplishments, so proud of them. You might recognize, there we go. You might recognize some of them. You might recognize a lot of them. You might not recognize any of them, but regardless, we are so excited for them. And it's always so fun in the next service, we get to look back and see all the pictures as they've grown up, kind of a a flashback to the past. And uh, before we continue on this morning, we're going to take another quick flashback to the past. So go ahead and check out this quick clip. Loneliness, it's something we've all experienced. While maybe we've never been by ourselves in the middle of the South Pacific as far away from civilization as possible. And maybe you've never been the last human left behind on Mars like in the movie The Martian. And maybe you've never been a robot all alone on Earth for 700 years like Wally. We've all experienced loneliness at some point or another. And while it certainly seems like Wally was having fun and enjoying himself, the truth is that none of us likes loneliness. It's not what we were created for. If you watch the rest of that movie, Wally, it's a great movie. If you watch the rest of it, you see how Wally was created for so much more. We were not meant for loneliness. So what were we created for? We get a great glimpse in our creation story back in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 verse 26, this is what we read. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yes, we were created to rule over the earth, but that's not what I'm getting at here today. Ultimately, we were created for relationship. We see the relationship of the Trinity even way back in the beginning. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all united as one. That's why we saw words in that passage like us, our, our. They're all together in that. And it's not that God needed to exist that way. He chose to exist that way. He did it to show our need for relationship. That it's better for us to exist in community. We were created for relationship with God. We were created for relationship with each other. That's why God gave Adam and Eve each other and told them to fill the earth with his image. Relationships are great. People are great. But if we're being honest, that isn't always the case. Relationships often aren't great. People often are not so great. We experience loneliness. We have broken relationships, toxic relationships, shallow relationships, unhealthy relationships. Is that how it was meant to be? 
Well, our series Healthy that we've been walking through this past month and a half has been all about looking within, pursuing true health through Jesus. Spiritual health is absolutely crucial. It's the foundation of where true comprehensive health comes from. And I could give you a message on pursuing spiritual health today. That would be all well and good, but that's not what our focus is going to be today. Today, we're going to be focusing on a different type of health, relational health, relational health. Because as we just talked about, we were all created for relationship. We're all meant for more. We're not meant to be alone. And yet so often we screw up those relationships. We have unhealthiness in those relationships. So what is relational health? Relational means relationship. It means connectedness. So let me, be, let me begin by saying what relational health is not. It is not isolation. It's not isolation. You cannot be isolated and be relationally healthy. I know technology provides a way for relationships, but it's not the same. And if we think we're relationally healthy, but we're alone, we're not healthy. And so today, I want to give you a series of action points. As we seek to create healthy, positive relationships, what are some ways we can put that into practice in our own lives? And I want to start right now with action point number zero. This is just the baseline. Action point number zero, do not isolate yourself. This is so important. Do not isolate yourself. This is one of the biggest tragedies of the past year. And I know that that's not all maybe stuff that we did to ourselves, but at the same time, that's, that's been a big part of this past year. I could give you all the stats on loneliness and isolation. They are very fascinating and also incredibly sad. In many ways, we are having to relearn how to interact, how to be around people, how to be friends, how to grow together. I know I feel that, and I don't think I'm the only one. There's this great temptation to just keep to yourself all the time, but don't do it. Don't give in. We are meant to be with people. We're created for relationship. I love what the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, has to say. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9, he says this. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. In other words, we need the people around us. It's better. So, we're gonna put this into practice for just a moment here. We're gonna personalize this. And I am gonna have some words up on the screen I want you to repeat after me. So go ahead and put this up on the screen. Repeat after me. I need people. People need me. I need people. People need me. Do you believe that? It's true. You need people. People need you. Every single one of us is a vital part of this world, a crucial part in God's story. We need each other. And ultimately, we all need Jesus. So if relational health is not isolation, then what is it? Well, I love what Matt Alexander has to say. He says, relational health is the ability to start and sustain meaningful relationships, engage in appropriate social vulnerability, and practice skills that encourage ongoing supportive relationships. What in the world does that mean? Well, I want to simplify this a little bit for us by giving you three big words. Relational health is the ability to bond, bound, and band. Bond, bound, and band. What in the world does that mean? Well, we're going to spend a few minutes talking through each of those in a little bit more detail. 
Relational health, bond, bound, band. So let's start with bond, bonding. We want to have meaningful relationships with those around us. That comes from bonding. What is bonding? Well, I love what Dr. Henry Cloud has to say. He has a great book called Changes That Heal, talking a lot about relationships and healthy relationships. Great read if you want to take a chance on that sometime. But here's what he says about bonding. He says, bonding is the ability to establish an emotional attachment to another person. It's the ability to relate to another on the deepest level. Deep down, isn't that what we all want? Deeper relationships. In order for us to have meaningful relationships, there's got to be depth. There's got to be significance to it. So what does that look like practically to bond with other people? Well, it comes from taking an interest in the things that others talk about, the things that they're interested in. It doesn't mean you have to love those things, but it means that you're willing to show that you care, to be invested in them, in a relationship with them, to listen to them, to learn from them. It might be easier to bond with those who are more like you, from those who have similar interests to you, but that's not how it has to be. It doesn't just have to be bonding with those who are like you. I guarantee that every single one of us can find common ground with every single person on this planet. After all, we're all human, right? So we're going to be taking a look at John chapter 4 if you want to turn there. There's a story here that may be familiar to some of you, maybe not. And uh, it's really an interaction that Jesus has with somebody. We're going to look at this in bits and pieces during the course of our time together this morning. And learning how Jesus has this interaction, how we can put these things into practice. So John chapter 4, we are going to start in verse 4. Here's what John writes. He said, Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We're going to pause that story there for a moment. There's so many things we could take away from this story, but let's just focus on this for a moment. What did Jesus have in common with this person? Nothing, it seems. She was a woman, he was a man. She was a Samaritan, he was a Jew. They're not supposed to associate with each other. As we soon will find out, spoiler alert, she was an adulteress. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. And yet, they both need water. Jesus bonded with this woman over something as simple as a drink of water. It's that simple. He needs water, and she's able to get it for him. This cool bonding moment that Jesus has with someone who he wouldn't really normally interact with. 
So action point number one, what does it look like for us to live out this idea of bonding? Take a step towards someone and ask them questions. Just ask questions, get to know them, listen. You might not know this about me. You might not know this about your pastors, but I'm sure that we've all mentioned this at some point or another. John and Chris and I are all introverts. And it's crazy that we stand up here on Sunday mornings as introverts because people exhaust us. We love all of you, but you guys exhaust us. And it's far easier to just keep our distance and not engage, to be passive. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe some of you can't, and that's great. That's awesome. But we're not called to just sit back in passivity. We are called to something more. Someone has to take that first step to open up, to be vulnerable, to engage with others. Why not you? It's a great display of your faith in God. And it's an opportunity to point to the light of Jesus in you, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Plus, it just shows your love and care for others. Get to know others, spend time with them, ask them questions, listen, be intentional with them. Such a great opportunity we have to bond with those around us. But it's difficult to bond with someone if you or if they aren't willing to actually open up and share things. You're going to find it really difficult to bond if there's nothing to bond over. You're going to find it difficult to find things in common if you're not willing to open up and share things about your life. And it's going to be difficult to have healthy, meaningful relationships. And that's where our second big idea comes in, bound. Bound, boundaries. So we have to be open with other people in order to bond. What do we call this? Vulnerability. But how vulnerable is too vulnerable? How much information is too much information? I don't want to emotionally dump on someone I don't really know very well, but I also want to learn to be open and vulnerable and share with those around me and have deeper relationships, but in an appropriate manner. It's a difficult balance to find. I want to be connected to people without losing myself in them. There's a fancy word for this. This word is differentiation. Here's how Pete Scazzaro defines differentiation. He says, differentiation is remaining connected to people, but not having your reactions or behaviors determined or dictated by them. So you don't lose your independence or your individuality. Those are still distinct and you are still you. But you're separate from others, even as you remain connected to them. You are not responsible for other people's responses. They are. You're responsible for your own responses, your own emotions, your own thoughts, your own reactions. So what defines you and separates you from the people around you? Well, that's where the concept of boundaries comes in. Here's how Dr. Henry Cloud defines boundaries. He says, boundaries are the realization of our own person apart from others. This sense of separateness forms the basis of personal identity. It says what we are and what we are not, what we will choose, what we will not choose what we will endure and what we will not, what we feel, what we will not feel, what we like, what we do not like, what we want, what we do not want. Know where you end and where someone else begins. Yes, we want to depend upon those in our lives. Dependability is a good thing. But we must all maintain our independence, our individuality, so we keep from becoming this codependent, amorphous amoeba of a blob of human beings. You're not controlling anyone. 
and they're not controlling you. The goal is for all of us to be 100% Holy Spirit directed. So I was trying to think of a, uh, a everyday practical depiction of what boundaries look like in our lives. And a few years ago, my, my old job, we'd have these staff fun days. So for one of our staff fun days, we played bubble soccer. Has anyone ever played bubble soccer before? Maybe you've seen it played or heard about it. It is a lot of fun. Basically, you get to run around playing soccer while wearing these ridiculous giant inflatable plastic bubbles. And you get to knock each other down, knock somebody down, laugh at them as they struggle to get up. And then they knock you down and laugh at you as you struggle to get up. It is a hoot. So much fun. Well, boundaries are like giant plastic bubbles. It's very obvious where I end and where you begin. And yet it also allows you to see through to my life. There's a transparency there. So we're able to find that balance of both maintaining boundaries, but also being open, being vulnerable, being transparent with others at the same time. Side note, if anyone is interested in purchasing these and donating them to the youth group, I will not object. They are a lot of fun. So this idea of boundaries, what does this look like in Jesus's interaction with the Samaritan woman? Well, let's continue in our story in John chapter four. We're gonna pick it up in verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father, the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Jesus helps this woman understand boundaries as she learns to engage in appropriate social vulnerability. Yes, Jesus kind of forces her hand by being the son of God and correctly calling out her adultery and her many husbands. However, she willing, willingly embraces her brokenness. She's vulnerable with the people in her village, not because she has perfect stuff to share, but because she wants to invite them into her life and share some incredible truth and encouragement with them. Jesus breaks down the barriers that she has built up. By showing vulnerability in himself, he boldly speaks the truth of who he is and of who she is, then challenging her to be vulnerable too in a way that led to the salvation of many because of the work that Jesus had done in her heart. 
So action point number two, as we seek to have proper boundaries in our relationships with others, we want to ask questions of the Holy Spirit. Number one was about asking questions of other people as we bond with them. How do I find that proper balance in knowing what relationships to share what with? We ask questions of the Holy Spirit. Ask for his guidance in that. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you discern healthy relationships from those which are not. To point out areas of unhealthiness. To know when to engage with others and who to be vulnerable with and who not to. To discern where your healthy boundaries should be. I love the truth that Jesus shares about the Spirit. A couple small spots. John chapter 16, he says this. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Luke 12, 12, he says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. We have the Holy Spirit living in us to guide us, to give us the answers, to help us discern wisdom in our relationships. Why not ask him? So we talked about bond. We talked about bound. Well, what does it look like for us to have healthy relationships with those who are different from us? And this is where the concept of band comes in, banding together. Think of a band or a symphony. There's a whole bunch of different instruments being played. If the, whole bl- if the whole band were playing the same instrument, it wouldn't really sound that good or full, would it? Everyone brings their uniqueness to the table. It's important to learn how to play a trumpet by being with other trumpet players. But you're not going to understand or appreciate the full beauty and skill of the band without being around other different instruments. We all have to learn how to live with and get along with the people around us, whether they're similar to us or different from us. That's just a part of living in this world. So it is important for us to have a close group of people around us, people who love Jesus, who are a solid relational foundation for us to stand upon. But we cannot remain in that bubble. We have to venture out. We have to step into the unknown, mingle with other instruments, and see how each one has their uniqueness, how they have something special to bring to the table. We want to learn to appreciate what other people have to share because we all are special. We want to find people with similar interests. We want to find people with different interests. We want to pursue diversity in every way as we seek to learn more about the people around us. So where bonding was about finding common ground, banding is about embracing our differences and allowing our strengths and weaknesses to complement each other as we build each other up. So let's read the last few verses of our story in John chapter 4 to see how this plays out in Jesus and the Samaritan woman's story. We're going to skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So Jesus bonds with this woman over something as simple as a drink of water. They learn appropriate boundaries. They have some vulnerability in him calling out her sin, sharing who he is, speaking the truth of who she is. And now they band together two different people to help reach this Samaritan village with the love of the father. Now, we don't really know what happens in this village after the end of this story. This is the last we hear of it in scripture. So did these people share the love of Jesus throughout Samaria or did they let the fire die out there? 
I don't know. I'm inclined to think the former because this response that we see from this village, these people who are excited, who believe, they're experiencing the living water in Jesus. They get it. Think about the impact these people could have had, not just across Samaria, but across the Middle East as they banded together with each other, with people different from them to share the love of the Father. We'll get to see a lot of these people in heaven someday worshiping together. How cool is that? So as we seek to put this idea of banding together into practice, what's action point number three? Serve someone different from you. Serve someone different from you. Serving someone else takes the focus off of me and it puts it on them. It suddenly isn't as much about myself and my own needs and my own struggles. Not that those aren't important. Those need to be addressed. But now I get to focus on someone else and help to meet them where they are. This goes back to what we said earlier. We cannot expect others to always take that first step. We want to be the ones to take that first step of humility, of vulnerability towards them, just as Jesus did for us. And as he shared, talking about himself in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, to serve people different from him. Isaiah chapter 58 is a great chapter that we don't have time to get into right now. We're just going to look at verse 10, but I would encourage you to give it a read this week as it talks about how we can serve those in our world, those different from us. It says, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. When we serve others, when we help to meet their needs, when we come alongside them to love them, to get to know them, to care for them, it shines the light of Jesus in this world. It's huge. So our relationship's always going to be perfect. Nope. Absolutely not. That's why we're talking about relational health in the first place. And that's where the bow that ties us all together comes in. Communication. Communication. We need to have healthy communication with each other. We need to communicate with the people around us. Some of you, like me, might be internal processors. That's okay. Internally process all you want, but communicate that you're processing or communicate after you're done processing. When we experience conflict in relationships, it helps to communicate that. And we often, we're never going to find resolve by just suppressing that conflict, pushing it down, bottling it up, brushing it under the rug, pretending that it doesn't exist. That is not resolve. And it's going to blow up in your face. We resolve by communicating, by talking through what's going on, coming to an understanding. It's not always easy, but it is right and it is good. That's why Jesus talked about us resolving our issues with others before worshiping God or before the end of the day. We can't just expect other people to be able to read our minds or to know what's going on. We have to communicate it. Communicate expectations, communicate feelings, communicate thoughts. And we have to communicate honestly. If you're not going to be honest in what you communicate, don't bother communicating at all. If you're not going to speak the truth, don't bother speaking. I love the wise age-old saying, Thumper's mother, back in that movie Bambi, what does she have to say? You can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Such a good rule of thumb. Well, I'm going to add on to that with an alternate version this morning. If you can't say something true, don't say nothing at all. If you can't say something true, don't say nothing at all. You are doing damage to your relationships when you don't speak the truth. 
And I would argue that this is probably one of the biggest causes of unhealthiness in relationships. It's ultimately rooted in selfishness because it's about me. As followers of Jesus, we are called to more than that. We are called to speak the truth in love. We're called to love others because he loved us first. We are called to build each other up, to encourage one another, to build trust with each other, to build our relationships in a healthy way, and we do it out of love. So action point number four, communicate honestly. And what's the outcome of all this? We bear fruit. Fruit is born. Good fruit. We want to bear good fruit, and that comes from soaking up the good nutrients, the being rooted in the vine in Jesus. He talks a lot about that in John chapter 15. Great passage. Good, healthy fruit is more likely to come from good, healthy relationships. We want to pass that healthiness on to the people around us. Now, the reality is we all have room for growth in our relationships. You might feel like you have really healthy relationships with those around you. That's great. Continue to pursue that. That is really, really awesome. But there's always room for growth for more vulnerability. We're imperfect people, and that imperfection only multiplies in relationship. You might feel like you're all alone, like you have nobody. That's okay. Tell someone. Don't stay alone in that. I would encourage you to reach out to someone, to take that step, knowing that Jesus took that step towards you. Know that we as a staff, we as a church, we are here for you. We want to care for you. We are with you. You are not alone. So if you're feeling that, whether it's one of us or somebody in this church or somebody else you trust, tell somebody. Do not remain alone in that. We talked about not wanting to be isolated earlier. So to sum all of this up, how do we create healthy relationships? Well, there's three main pillars, bond, bound, and band. We want to bond with others, find common ground with them, take that step towards somebody else. We want to exercise healthy boundaries and appropriate social vulnerability as we find that balance between having people that we are close to, that we share things with, that we're not keeping things to ourselves but also recognizing where that's appropriate, asking the, the Holy Spirit for wisdom in that. And then also we want to band together with those similar to and different from us as we serve people different from us with honest communication, bringing that all together. Now, I know we haven't really talked much about spiritual health. And I said at the beginning, that was very intentional. But let me say this, it's difficult to be relationally healthy if it's not coming from a foundation of spiritual health. This is why broken, unhealthy, toxic relationships exist. Because broken people lost in their sin haven't found spiritual health and freedom in Jesus. Even when it feels like you're all alone and you have nobody, you have your Savior. You can't hope to have truly, relation, truly healthy relationships with others if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's where it all begins. I'm not talking about just praying a prayer and calling it good. I'm talking about truly investing in a relationship with Jesus, spending time with him, talking with him, getting to know him, doing life with him. Relational health with others must come from a foundation of spiritual health through a relationship with Jesus. He desires a personal relationship with each one of us. That's where true health comes from. And he made a way through the cross, through his death on the cross. I cannot encourage you enough to continue to pursue Jesus with all that you've got. He's going to take care of the rest. And so that idea of a personal relationship with Jesus, again, that's what we are created for. We are created for relationship. That's what God desires of us. 
Today, as we observe communion, again, if you don't have a communion yet, they're back by the doors. Go ahead and grab one. As we observe communion, it's a reminder of what Jesus endured in order to bring us salvation, in order to bring us the opportunity for a relationship with him, with the God of the universe. So go ahead and open up the, the bread. Again, it's that top clear layer. This is a, a physical reminder of what Jesus went through in order to bring us the opportunity for a relationship with him, what he endured on that cross. So this is what we read in scripture. This is what Paul writes. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and drink. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you desire relationship with us, that you made a way through your son, Jesus. Jesus, you came, you set the perfect example for us of healthy relationships. Pray that we would each pursue that this week and beyond. Or whatever you're impressing in our hearts to take away from today, how we can put this into practice. It's not about trying to do things in order to please you. Or we want to be growing from a foundation of spiritual health, of a relationship with you. So God, if there's anybody here today who does not have that foundation, who does not have a personal relationship with you, pray that you would impress upon their hearts their need, their desire for you, to know you. Lord, they can know you just simply through having a heart that desires you. Lord, you can pray this prayer. God, I want to know you. I want to be in a personal relationship with you. Lord, I know that you love me, that you came to this earth, lived the perfect life that I was meant to live, that I couldn't. That you died on the cross for my sins, rose from the grave, conquering sin and death so that I could have new life in a relationship with you. God, I believe that. I desire that. I want to have a relationship with you. I place my faith and my trust in you today. Lord, you know our hearts. You know our desires. Make them more like your own. Lord, even if there's just one person in our lives who needs to know you, who we want to take that step towards this week, impress that upon our hearts. So God, you are good. You are awesome. You are mighty. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that you have made a way for us to be in relationship with you. You are so good. We give you praise today. Amen. Amen.